So Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 35. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the woman bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified on the third day, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did did not believe the woman, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emos, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem, and do you not know the things that have happened in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. 
They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Well, good morning and happy Easter. Isn't it wonderful to be gathered together on Easter Sunday morning? Uh, And thanks so much for the opportunity uh, for Peter and Jay and I to come and celebrate with you and especially for the privilege of being able to open uh, God's Word together on this Easter Sunday morning. As we begin, let's pray. Dear Lord God, thank you for Jesus and thank you that He is risen as we read uh, Your Word. Please help us. Uh, to see Him with fresh eyes, uh, work in our hearts, that we would understand that He is the King worthy of all glory, that we would give Him the crown in our life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to begin by asking a question, getting you to imagine something. I wonder what is the most momentous occasion in your life? What's been the most momentous event in your life. Perhaps it was sometime you received really good news. Maybe it was an occasion when you received some really hard news. As I reflect on my life, I might think of some of the big ticket days, you know, the, the, the big events that happened. Maybe it was graduating from university, a, a whole world of opportunities open up before you, so the unis would tell you. Uh, maybe it was you know, those other big ticket days, uh, marrying Peter, An amazing event, a wonderful day. It certainly changed life very dramatically. But then I was thinking about it and I thought, well, I suppose most momentous event in my life, surely it would be my birth. I don't remember it, but without it, nothing else happened. And I had this slightly awkward moment. I thought, well, for me to be born, it was a conception. That was before I was even born. I'm not going to dwell on that, but perhaps that was the most momentous day the most momentous event of my life. And it got me thinking, well, you know what? Perhaps, actually, for each of us, the most momentous event in our lives was actually that something that happened long before our lives even began. And I think the Bible makes that claim for us. Candace actually just read the account of it, uh, that the resurrection day is the most momentous day in history. That first Easter Sunday was the most momentous day in history and therefore the most momentous day in our life, whether we recognise it or not. Now, as we read Luke's account of this most momentous day from chapter 24, it would be really helpful keeping a Bible open in front of you as we work through this together. And it's helpful to know that as Luke wrote it, he had an agenda. He had something in mind that he was doing as he was writing this account. He was really up front with it, right from the start. Joel, can you flash up for us? This is the opening paragraph of Luke's Gospel. Uh, And let me read for you from there. Luke introduces, he says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who were from the first eyewitnesses and servants of the Word. With this in mind, 
Since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that's his friend that he's writing for, so that, this is his agenda, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So, Luke has something in mind. He is writing down from those who saw Jesus risen from the dead, an account so that his friend Theophilus and all of us who read his words can be certain of the things taught. Which kind of makes sense, right? Because if this is the most momentous day in history, you'd want to be certain about it. So you'll see inside the leaflets there that as we work through this reading today, I've I've drawn out a few key points there. It was totally out of the ordinary. It was not as we might expect but it was exactly as God had planned. If you find it helpful to take notes, you've got those to work with in there. So, as we began our reading in Luke 24, and as the the kids' story so beautifully captured for us, we began with the women as they headed to the tomb. They were actually doing something incredibly normal, doing something very normal, sad, full of grief, but very normal, as they went to pay their respects to a deceased loved one. At the end of chapter 23, just before we picked up uh, this morning, Luke tells us that they had prepared for this on Friday afternoon, Good Friday, which must have just seemed terribly sad, heartbreaking Friday. But they'd needed to wait until they'd observed the Sabbath day of rest on Saturday. And so here they come, the first opportunity, the earliest opportunity, the rays of the sun just breaking through, the sun growing light and it's the normal but painful experience of grief as they come to show their respect for Jesus and mourn His death. Yet they discover two things very abnormal. Luke kind of has a bit of a play on words here because he wants us to get that they they found something entirely unexpected. The stones rolled away, the tomb's empty. And then they don't find what they had expected. The tomb's empty, the body's gone. Where is their dear friend Jesus? This is not normal. And you can kind of imagine their surprise at this point. Their dearly loved friend is not there. The dead man has moved. But this surprise quickly gives way to fear uh, when the angel appears. And he asks a surprising question. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Because that's not what these women thought they were doing. They thought they were doing something quite normal, looking for a dead man among the dead. That's what is normal. That's what they were expecting. But the angels are telling them that things are not normal. The one they're looking for, he is now living. So don't look for him among the dead. He is not here, the angel says. He is risen. And that's the momentous claim that Luke is recording for us here. This is the climax of his gospel account of Jesus' life. He is not here. Jesus is risen. It's big news, hey? That's the massive claim. 
And it is the most unusual, abnormal, unexpected event of these women's lives. It is the most momentous event in all of history. But the angels actually go on to point out that it should have been expected. Jesus told them it was coming. Read with me from verse 6, where they say, Remember how He told you while He was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified and on the third day raised again. Now, I think it's helpful for us to pause at this point because although Luke says, verse 8, then they remembered His words, you and I, at first glance, may not remember Jesus' words when He said this. You know, Luke has recorded two occasions when He told His disciples about this. Back in chapter 9, the penny has just started to drop for Jesus' disciples. Um, Peter, one of the, the disciples, has kind of verbalized what they're all starting to understand you are the Christ, Jesus is the King that God has sent to save His people and Jesus responds with these words, this is the kind of King, the King who will suffer, being rejected and even killed, that was Good Friday, and then on the third day be raised to life. He says to Peter and the disciples, yes, I'm the King but this is the kind of King that I am. The second account Luke gives is in chapter 18, By this time, they're as a group moving from Galilee, where Jesus has done so much of His ministry, heading down towards Jerusalem, the capital city of Israel. It's kind of, it's the place that if if Jesus is the King, if He's setting up His kingdom, Jerusalem, that'd be the place, that'd be His capital city. And so He's heading there and yet Jesus tells them that as He approaches Jerusalem, He will be killed. And then after three days, He will rise again. You see, these are the words that the angels refer to. This is the prediction that the women remember. And so suddenly, it isn't all so unexpected. Still very abnormal, but not so unexpected. And yet, it still all remains just too unexpected to be believable for the rest of the disciples, doesn't it? Did you notice there that the women, they remembered Jesus' words and understood. But to the disciples, the women's words, they just seemed like nonsense. Now, just a really brief aside at this point about the women as the first witnesses bringing the news that Jesus is risen. Two things that's helpful for us to bear in mind that might not jump out at us straight away. First, this actually gives us great confidence that Luke isn't making this story up. You see, Luke writes from a culture which didn't respect the word of women in legal testimony in court, for example. And so, if you're making up a story, it's not a great strategic move to have women in that culture as your first witnesses. It helps us to be confident, to be certain of the things that we've been taught, as we read from Luke earlier. This is no made-up account, this is the eyewitness testimony. And secondly, in the context of a culture that doesn't show much respect for women, this is a wonderful affirmation of women 
in God's eyes. They are worthy first witnesses, even if the disciples don't give them the respect that they were due. But, but back on the main point, because you see, all of the evidence is pointing to the, the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead, yet for the disciples, even those who have known Him for years and loved Him and seen His miraculous power and heard His wonderful teaching, even for them, this is all too incredible, too out of the ordinary to believe. And they're left only in wonder, puzzled, confused. And I think this is a great encouragement for you if you find it all a bit hard to believe. It is totally out of the ordinary. Dead people don't come back to life. You know, it would be one thing for me to tell you today that, well, I drove to church in my car. You know, fairly straightforward. You'd have no reason to doubt that. Not very out of the ordinary, not even very significant. But Jesus, risen from the dead, that is totally out of the ordinary. And it shows us that Jesus is totally out of the ordinary. And Luke gets that this is significant and he writes this eyewitness account so that we can be certain of the things we have been taught. But okay, as we move on through this story, we see that it's not only totally out of the ordinary, but it's also not as we might expect. It's certainly not what the disciples were expecting. You see, it was so unlike their expectations that Luke shows us that even when they had Jesus right there in front of them, they found it hard to comprehend. We start to get a bit of insight into kind of this clash of expectations in that awesome little story, this beautiful little story of Cleopas and his mate going for a walk on the road to Emmaus. This, remember, this is sort of Passover time in Jerusalem. The Passover, the, the population of Jerusalem just went through the roof with all these people gathering to celebrate the festival around the temple. They couldn't all fit in Jerusalem, so they'd, they'd stay in the towns around. And it seems likely that these guys, well, they're, they're staying in Emmaus while they're coming backwards and forwards to Jerusalem for the festival. But whilst that's been a celebration for so many, for these guys, they, they walk to their hotel despondent, desperately sad. And Luke gives us this account that is just kind of loaded with irony, that it's almost funny. I want to help you see some of these points because they're actually very challenging for us as well. Okay, with, with uh, keeping the Bible open, as I just highlight some points here, picking up from verse 18, that's, they're walking home to Emmaus, to their accommodation, and a stranger joins them, they don't recognise him, he's curious about what they're talking about, and the irony begins. Verse 18, they say to him, are you the only person who doesn't know the things that have happened here in these last days? And you kind of go, hang on, who are they talking to? They, they're talking to the only person who does know what has happened in these last days. Verse 19, they're describing Jesus to Jesus without knowing that's what's going on. Which seems a bit funny, but what's a bit sad is how do they describe Him as a prophet? A great prophet, sure, but just a prophet. 
Because if you don't get Jesus' resurrection, that is all He can ever be. And in fact, worse than that, as Candace summed up for us so helpfully, He would be a false prophet. He can never stay in that category of just a wise teacher. Verse 20, 21, they, they start to show where their disappointment comes from. We had hopes that He would redeem Israel and yet they're disappointed because, well, He was rejected and killed. What's the irony in that? Of course, that is exactly how Jesus has redeemed Israel, by suffering and dying. Verse 21, what's more, Luke's kind of piling it up here, what's more, it's the third day. Kind of like, yeah, they, they, they get, it's three days after, but they've clearly forgotten what Jesus said would happen on the third day. In addition, verse 22, yeah, yeah, there's more. On top of that, these guys, they, they've got the information that the women saw the empty two, that they met two angels who said that Jesus is alive. You'd think that that might lift their mood. But actually, as Luke finishes this account for us, he sums up one, one final irony before we hear from Jesus. I said, well, verse 24, some of our companions went to the tomb and they found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see as they're eyeballing the man himself. Here they are, talking with Jesus and yet failing to see Him. Luke is piling up the evidence that Jesus is risen. He's writing so we can be confident of the things taught. It is true, His tomb is empty. He now walks and talks with Cleopas and his friend, even if they don't recognise Him initially. And I think we start to see in clear past that we can, have, we can have all of the data and yet still not see the significance, still not draw the right conclusions because it's not what we are hoping for. It's not what we expect. Now, in that sense, it's a little bit like a good riddle. Uh, Joel, we've got this one on the screen. Sorry if it's... Uh, I should have made the... Oh, here we, you probably can read that one. Um, it's not a new one. You may well have come across it. Um, don't spoil it for those around if you know it. But here's a good riddle. A man and his son are in a terrible car crash and they're rushed to hospital for emergency surgery. The surgeon sees them come in, looks at the boy and exclaims, I can't operate on this boy. He's my son. And the question stands, how can this be? How can it be? I stumbled across this because it popped up on my Facebook feed because there's these YouTube clips of people being asked this question and scratching their head and uh, but the, the father was in the accident, how, what? Oh, I don't know. And then the gasps of frustration when the penny drops, that the surgeon's a woman, it's his mother, of course. If only we didn't have in our thick heads that only men can be surgeons. It's not what we were expecting. And so Jesus rebukes the disciples... The riddle isn't a riddle at all. The significance of all of these events in Jerusalem is right in front of them, if only they weren't led astray by their expectations. What Jesus shows them is the issue is within their hearts. They're foolish and slow to believe. Jesus is pretty frank with them, isn't He? Foolish and slow to believe all that the prophets have told. They have the data but they are biased in their self-assessment of their need. 
They've got the information, the women said the tomb is empty, the angel said he is risen, they've got Jesus in front of them but they've not listened to God's explanation through His Word. You see, Cleopas has said that they were looking for redemption. They'd hoped that Jesus would be the one who would redeem their people. But they weren't expecting it from a king who would suffer first and then enter His glory. From here and from elsewhere in the Gospel accounts, we see that they wanted a king who just came and brought the glory. You see, if, if it's redemption from problems that are out there, you know, if it's like a political oppressor or, or corrupt leadership or, or an unstable climate, well, then we just jump to the glory, kind of deal with the bad guys and take us there. Yet if what we really need is redemption from all of the problems in here, then we will hear God speak to us that His King must suffer these things to deal with this and then enter His glory. And in this way, Jesus' death was of course not a failure to redeem, it was the very means of redemption. And now the Messiah, as He calls Himself, God's King, He is risen. He's begun to enter into His glory. It was not as they had expected. And it may not be as we expect either. Because I I think many people today find it hard to trust Jesus because we want the glory without recognising our need for His suffering. We, we long for so many of the benefits of His glory and for good reason. We long to be freed of sickness and suffering that clouds our lives. We long for freedom from death that, that, that feels like it, it stalks those we love. We long to be released from the oppression of our own anxieties. And Jesus offers all of this through sharing in His glory. Yet to enjoy His glory, we need His grace. We need His suffering on our behalf that we might enjoy His glory. We need Good Friday to celebrate Easter Sunday. And if we just want to jump to the glory of Sunday, like Cleopas had hoped we will fail to recognise its true glory anyway, just like Cleopas did. Because until we recognise that, that all of those longings of our heart, they're not, they're not satisfied by just more stuff now, things being right here and now, those longings find their only and their ultimate hope with Jesus in His glory. Until we get that, we, we won't understand just how momentous Resurrection Sunday is. Because Jesus is showing us that this is exactly what God had planned. That's what... That's what why don't we chat about it that afterwards? I might have to Google that one, I don't know. But Jesus shows us that 
This was exactly God's plan. You know those words that the angels referred to, Jesus anticipating that he would suffer, die and then on the third day rise again? In Luke's account in chapter 18, he makes it really clear and I think the women had it ringing in their ears that this was God's plan all along. Joel, can you flash that up for us? Jesus took the 12 aside and told them, we're going up to Jerusalem, you remember? That's where they're heading towards the capital. He knows he's about to die. And in italics there for you, everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. I will suffer, I will die, I will be raised again on the third day. Everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished, just as God had planned. And it's, it's that same reality that suddenly, well actually gradually, turns the lights on for Cleopas and his friend. It's when Jesus unpacks for them all that the Scripture, all that the Bible teaches us about Jesus that made sense for them. Their hearts burned within them as Jesus opened the Scriptures. I hope our hearts burn within us when we dig deep into the Word and and we see Jesus more fully. This is Jesus helping these people to see well, kind of the unifying message, the great heart of the Bible, their testimony to Him. Now, pausing again, um, to help us understand this moment, I, I just wonder if you've ever thought of a historic occasion that you would like to have been present at. You know, one of those things, there's sort of the classic dinner time conversation, who would you, who would you want to have dinner with? Oh, a different conversation. What, what's one of the great moments in history that you would have liked to have been at? Um, a few years ago, I was visiting a family in Washington, D.C., and uh, doing the touristy thing, learnt qu- a little bit about uh, the American Civil War, which, to be honest, I was completely ignorant of before, and had the privilege of visiting Gettysburg, where one of the major battles had occurred, and later, uh, where... Um, I'm going to make sure I get the right... Yeah, it is President Lincoln, demonstrating my lack of ongoing knowledge about this. But President Lincoln later gave the Gettysburg Address. And uh, only two minutes long, when some other guy took the podium for close on two hours on the same day, it's, it's Lincoln's speech that is remembered and commemorated as one of the great works of speechcraft in the English language. And as I read it and as I stood there at the, at the memorial to this amazing battlefield, I couldn't help but think, wow, imagine having been there, Pennsylvania, 1863, to hear it. I, I don't know, maybe you'd, you'd love to have seen Elvis live. Maybe you wish you'd seen Dodd Bradman at his peak. Well, I reckon Luke 24, 27 would have been one of those amazing conversations, one of those amazing times to have been present at. Because this is where Jesus unpacks how His resurrection is the most momentous occasion in all of history that the whole Bible points towards. And as Cleopas and his friend unpack the Word with Jesus... They're having their eyes, albeit kind of slowly, they're having their eyes opened to see Jesus in His glory. Seeing 
the rich details, but the broad sweep of all God had planned, all that is said in all of the Scriptures about Jesus. See, these are the Scriptures that testify about the universal reality of our hearts in rebellion against God. They're the Scriptures that speak of our only hope through God's initiative to us, of the pattern of His promise and our trust. They're the Scriptures that declare the glory of the great King that God would send, the one who would be uniquely His Son. I mean, the kings of Israel, they could only ever be just a pale anticipation of. These are the Scriptures who proclaim that that King would suffer on behalf of His enemies to make them His people before He took His throne of glory. And Jesus is saying, well, the prophets, all of the Scriptures, they testify about Him. He is that King of glory. And on that road to Emmaus, Cleopas and his friend, in their disappointment, they were walking. They were walking with the King of glory. They walked with the one who, who willingly suffered so that He might bring many into His glory. As they learnt of this plan of God, they were walking with Him in the glow of His resurrection. They were, they were walking with Him, figuratively speaking, on the way to His ascension. In that sense, we walk with them as we await His final return when the glory that He has been given is made evident to all. You see, Jesus' resurrection does many things. It is the most out-of-ordinary event in human history that validates the profound claims that Jesus made. Take the resurrection away, it all falls over like a house of cards. He's a false prophet. It is also the unexpected solution to our greatest longings, which find their hope in Him, in His glory, and us sharing that with Him through faith in Him in ways that we may not have expected. But that is all true because even more fundamentally, at the core of it, Jesus' resurrection is the demonstration of His glory, His majesty as the Son of God, the Lord of all. It is just as God had planned that He would be at the centre of history, defeating even death. His resurrection declares Him to be the one worthy of our worship and our honour and our praise and our obedience. And Luke writes it, so that we can be certain of the things we have been taught. Friends, the resurrection of Jesus, uh, it, it is an event long before any of us were born. Yet it is the most momentous event of our lives, whether we recognise it or not. For it revealed the one worthy of wearing the crown in our lives. As Luke says... Of this we can be certain. Let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank You that You planned before the dawn of time to draw together 
a people around the glory of your Son, that He may be seen in all His glory, that we may enjoy sharing in His glory. Father, may we see with fresh eyes His glory made so abundantly clear in His resurrection, that He defeats even death, just as You have planned. But help us to see that He had to suffer first because the issue He was dealing with was an issue in our hearts between us and You. And so we pray that as we see His glory, so we would recognize it with humility, trusting that He is the great King, worthy of being our great King. We pray that we would give Him the crown in our lives this day and every day to come. We pray it in His name. Amen.